Hello, and welcome back to the Global Startup Movement, where every week I bring you leaders in entrepreneurship, ecosystem building, and all things startups worldwide. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz, and today we have a very important episode, maybe the most important episode that I've ever recorded to date. My guest, Nizar Zaka, is an internet freedom advocate and served as Secretary General of the Arab ICT organization here in Washington, D.C., in September 2015, Nizar was invited to speak at a conference on entrepreneurship in Iran at the invitation of the Iranian government. And on September 18th, he disappeared while on the way back to the airport to leave the country, and 40 days later was reported to have been kidnapped by the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. After having spent almost four years in Iranian prison and an entire year in solitary confinement, Nizar was finally released and flew back to Washington, D.C. in June of this year. Nizar was kind enough to sit down with me in our studio here in D.C. to talk about his experience and what internet freedom in the Middle East will mean for economic growth and entrepreneurship. This was an incredibly special episode for me to record, and I hope you enjoy it the same. So now, without further ado, here's my conversation with Nizar Zaka. So a few months ago now, an internet freedom activist was released from an Iranian prison, flown to Lebanon, and then came to the U.S. And his name is Nizar Zaka, and I'm very grateful to have him in studio with us today. We're going to dive into his story, his expertise, where he sees um, you know, the, the opening up of freedom, internet freedom in, in the Middle East, and how that's going to contribute to you know, startup growth economy growth but Nizar thank, thank you so much for uh, for being here today thank you it's my pleasure to be with you so thank you I for mean, hosting me yeah no worries so I guess would you want to start this off maybe just I guess beginning you know of, of all this this that everything that happened right so you were invited by the uh, vice president yeah to to a conference in Iran yeah right and and did you when that happened, did you have like a gut feeling or did you feel anything was off or was it just kind of a normal, you know, business as usual? Usually I go to everywhere in the world. I attend conferences. I speak about internet freedom, about multi-stakeholderism, internet governance. And and to Iran, I was in, and I had a lot of work within women empowerment. I was invited to Iran by the vice president for women affairs. It was in September 2015. I I didn't even need a visa to go to Iran, mm. but I requested a visa because I, I work on internet freedom and I know that there is a lot of censorship in Iran and this thing. So I wanted to make sure that they are, I am welcomed. So I asked the vice president, please send me a visa. She sent me a visa. I go there and uh, it was very good. We had a very good event. We had very good dinner, and a lot of people came. It's much more than attendees. We were much more than expected. We were expe they were expecting like a couple of hundred, over a thousand came. It was like much bigger than I believe Iran could handle, mm. especially the Revolutionary Guard. The Revolutionary Guard, it's, uh, uh, it's called the IRGC. It's, uh, it's a different, it's a country within a country or whatever. 
So I, uh, on my way back, uh, after I finished, was very successful on my way back to the airport. I was in a hotel taxi going to the airport. A civilian car came and blocked the street, and people came down, uh, civilian, and they told, they talked to the taxi driver. I don't know what they said, and then they told me, come with us. They blindfolded me and put me in a car and took me to a place I don't know where for many weeks and months. And and it was and they took me hostage for the, uh, since then they told me that nobody everybody thinks that you left the country we signed you out we checked you out so anybody who's gonna ask for you he's gonna think that you left so don't ask for anybody don't expect anybody to ask for you you mm. were just here forever and and what was that the RGC yeah it was uh, Islamic Republic Revolutionary Guard IRGC. Okay. Or God Corps, revolutionary, right. uh, revolutionary God Corps. And so, and so, in Iran, you have, I guess, the the recognized government, and then you know the IRGC, both operating like different different silos. Or like, a yeah, it's uh, it's IRGC is the one who controls the country. Mm. It's, uh, the original the government is operating like the. Uh, like non non critical issues, all the critical issues, uh, the the IRGC, they have the Revolutionary Guard, uh, they have the Revolutionary Court, everything. is the IRGC, they control the whole country, and uh, and they are the main power. They are the people who go outside of Iran. They have the something called the Al Quds uh, wing that goes to Iraq, to Lebanon, to Yemen. So they are, they are the entity who really work uh, the main power in Iran. Mm, interesting. I and see. they are commanded directly by the supreme leader, while the other entities are by the president who is, who is elected by the people, but he has no power as a president. Got it. Got it. And so, what was going through your mind at the time? Did, like, did you were originally thinking like this must be a mistake, or like, like what, what was that first you know impression like? When they stopped me and they put me in a car, the first, the most, the the worst thing that happened is when I arrived, they made me change into a blue clothes immediately, like I am for a long term. So I was really worried and scared. And then I was trying to explain to them I am an official guest of the Iran government, the Prime Minister. So, uh, and then they looked like they, and they knew everything. So I was wor- very worried because I knew, so they know exactly what they're doing at that mm-hmm. time. In fact, I understood as we go on that I, I was arrested after the JCPOA was signed. The JCPOA stands for, for the Joint Comprehensive Peace of Action uh, uh, whatever. So, uh, so this uh, uh, plan of action. Also. So, it's a nuclear agreement between the uh, the, uh, the world powers and Iran. Mm. And during this, uh, uh, it was signed in July. I was taken hostage in September, and then it was supposed to be rectified and sanctioned lifted in January of 2016. So it, between these two dates, between July and January, I was taken. It was a message f- from the IRGC to the world that uh, they are against any kind of openness, 
while they will sign an agreement, a nuclear agreement, they will stop uh, enrichment of uranium and all this, but they will. But this doesn't mean anything related to openness and Iran. And they believe that the openness is something that endanger the existence of Islamic Republic of Iran. Mm. I, having said that, uh, also in my work, I, I was also uh, vice president, vice chairman of the World IT Service Alliance. It's the entity that represent ninety percent of the ICT private sector, and I was working with a lot of companies in order to take them to Iran. Iran is a ninety million per, uh, population of ninety million. They are all very smart, young generation, very well educated. It was like really a very big prosperity and op opportunity for Iranians and for the international company, uh, technology companies to develop this sector. So uh, everybody wanted to go. And I was, uh, I was talking, uh, I was planning to take all the big companies you hear about. And after they took me, all these companies stopped going. They sh mm. and, uh, and, and even it was signed, the, the sanctions were lifted. No company went to Iran because it was a very straightforward message by the Iranian, by the revolutionary guard to the world that you are not welcome to come. Iran is not open for business. This is what they wanted to tell the world and they were successful. Mm. But uh, it's it's unfortunate that that the uh, the the world leaders continued and signed the nuclear agreement, even though Iran was sending a very clear message that we are not open for business and we are not open for openness. We don't want any openness in our country, and they don't want to integrate uh, to open up to the world. So they wanted to stay as a hostile state to the rest of the world. Mm. And it was all driven by the Revolutionary Guard and the Supreme Leader Khamenei, which is, in fact, the government who actually invited me had no say. If they would say something, they would be with me as well. Mm. And so why do, you think, why do you think the world leaders signed it? Was it lack of information? Did they not understand the implications of what just happened? or? So world leaders were too excited, in my opinion, which I, uh, they were too eager to have this agreement work. Mm. They spent, they invested so much time right. in order to reach where they reached, so they were not willing to say, to, to stop and say, hey, we want to review, we want to make sure that this, uh, it's, uh, if, if Iran is not willing to cooperate with the world, we're not going to go ahead with the agreement. They did not do that. They just wanted to, they didn't want anything to, to, uh, to make this agreement uh, stop or look bad because they invested a lot of time in it. But uh, with time, it was like, now it's easy to say it was a mistake because at that time, probably nobody understood. They thought that by being nice to Iran, things will change, they will open slowly. You know, they, they had other calculations, but, but obviously, Sometimes you feel that the international community doesn't understand Iran properly. This country has been for 40 years doing the exact same thing. They haven't changed the revolutionary guard. A few days ago, it was the 40th anniversary for the hostages, the, the takeover of the U.S. embassy in Tehran in 1979, mm. on 4th of November uh, 1979. The embassy was taken over by the revolutionary guard, by the, stu by the so-called student. It was, in fact, who, who, uh, this is the student who ended up being the revolutionary guard. Mm. And it was taken, and, they, and since 40 years, they have non-stop, they have continued to take, to take hostages, to bomb embassies, 
to do every single hostile thing and the world is still haven't learned and, and it's really weird there is no strong stand by the United Nations we don't hear the United Nations taking a firm position towards this we don't we don't hear any voices and we still same thing and we are losing because they are they it's becoming an industry of taking hostages now currently we have hostages left behind we have Zio uh, Wong, Namazis, they are left behind, we need them back, we need them to come here, they are to, uh, and these people, so their only crime, they have only one crime they did, that they are taken hostage because of their nationality, only. There is no other reason they are hostage, just because of, the, of their nationality, and we are still negotiating and negotiating, and, and I, of course you're going to negotiate with these people. After four years, na, uh, Siamak, Namazi, and zero one, they have been four years enough. You know, they had the government had a chance to to release them by force, by pressure. But now you need to negotiate in order to get these people out. Mm. But these people are going to go out, and the next morning they're going to take other people because they are winning because it's working for them. They have no nobody is they're not paying any price. They, nobody is punishing them for what they're doing. This revolutionary god, and they're going to keep on doing the same, and we're going to keep on paying the price. And so they, oper they operate based on negotiating leverage. That's what they use kidnappings for? Yeah, they use kidnapping for political leverage. Hmm. And they use you as a hostage in order to take some political concessions. Okay, and so, and so you just, by, you know, I guess bad luck, coincidence, got, got caught up in that when you were No, they, they, ask, you know, they take many, many aspects at the same time. Okay. Like they take me because I am doing internet openness. I was active. At the same time, they say we take this for this, and then we can, whenever we want to release him, we will have something. They don't take someone. This is how they play. It's a game. They play it, but they they try to every person they they take or take uh, to have multiple benefits. You know, they stop what like they stop. Uh, they give a signal to the whole world that we are not open for business. We're not open for uh, openness. But at the same time, also they send a message that come on, negotiate with us. We will release him and we will take these concessions from you. Right, that makes sense. Okay, okay. And so, so, so multitasking. <laughs> <laughs> right, I got it. So that's okay. That and it makes sense why internet freedom is such such an important leverage or lever because you know when. Some when when information gets out there, when the truth gets out there, then their 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 grip on power isn't isn't you know, strong. Exactly, the, the internet freedom. It's 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 it represent access of information to information as well as freedom of expression. Mm -hmm. And we and this these two things they hate to hear about, and especially when you become like these people expressing themselves, trying to ha have their voices heard, and trying to influence other people in order to have, and this they don't like. Even though it's very important because internet freedom is not only related to internet for people to work on social media. Internet freedom it's work for your business, for your development, for everything. So. What they do, they uh, they connect businesses to the rest of the world. They, they don't want any of this. They want to filter everything. They want to control everything. And and this is why one of the work I have been doing forever 
was going to countries, creating multi-stakeholder, and and uh, and giving the concept of multi-stakeholderism in 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 uh, in, uh, in on different layers, and especially when it comes to internet freedom, we wanted to have everybody in the room. We want to have the government, the private sector, the civil society, and as well as the security. You know, because always, because in fact. In fact, we have an, another issue, like 90% of uh, when people get uh, their human rights violated, it's they, they say it's, on, it's under the pretext of national security. Mm. You know, they violate your human rights and say this is for national security, which, which is not true. You know, but it's just, it's all over history they do that. They violate the human rights of people under, under such a statement. So we want also to bring the security people to the table as well when we when we talk about multi-stakeholderism because m maybe government, private sector, and uh, civil society they they agree on something, but then the the, the, uh, the, the like uh, intelligence agency or security agencies they say no and they they keep on doing what they're doing. So that's why we're bringing also the uh, this entity, and we have been working in different countries and working together because there is there is uh, areas that are specific to each country and uh, cultural uh, cultural sensitivities and we try to bring uh, make uh, uh, local principles that do not contradict with the global principles for internet freedom so we did the global principles for internet freedom that they are very broad and we go to each country to identify them in a way so we have been very successful and that's why internet was open in many countries that we never thought that the internet will be open mm. we try to explain that internet that doesn't mean that you don't have a, ch a children uh, account that uh, protecting your kids will come through awareness or ch 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 child account on uh, from the, the ISP no we try to do all these things we try to sh to show that we are we are okay to if internet is monitored it's not an issue it's how it's monitored right. how, under which structure does it does it impact the service Oh, it doesn't. We would we would do not accept anything to impact the service. If you want to monitor the internet for security, that has to be a very very clear framework. How who gives the authority? Who's responsible? What happened to the data? We don't want the data to be everywhere yeah. and to be used for different purposes and for and to monitor it for, for uh, on, in a mass way. We need to have a specific cases that need to be monitored. So this is areas that we worked in all these places and it has been very successful because you know between government private sector and the civil society people are at the same page maybe governments want a little more or a little less but at the end we all agree on the same principle nice. it's only when you want to oppress people you uh, you just start fighting internet freedom right yeah i mean that, that's definitely a problem and then the you know the other problem is is the ability for the government to have a kill switch to just shut off the internet that happens a lot in africa i mean yeah. especially especially yeah. during election no, time. we have we have we have been yeah we have been a lot of issues i, I was working a lot on this uh, and i'm still working a lot on on the switch and the mesh network and the switches and we we were very firm that nobody had that that we are not doubting they all say that it's a committee where nobody will shut the internet down un unless it's some, uh, someone we will put uh, put it in the hand of a trusted person so our our response to this is internet today is as important as as air or water or electricity so do you accept someone to have access to stop your air uh, to breathe 
will you accept that someone has this power, even if he's the most trusted person on earth? Will you give this power mm-hmm. to someone? Well, of so course wha- not. Of course okay, not. So why are you gonna give it? Why are you gonna give it to someone who can stop the internet? That's why we believe in mesh network. We will, we believe mm-hmm. in open internet and nobody to have access to to stop it. That's what happened in Egypt. You know, in Egypt during the revolution in Egypt, the internet was stopped. And then uh, we we had a fight with, with uh, I personally, in my role, I was working on internet freedom, and I had a big fight with the Minister of Telecom and say, why you had, uh, who give you, the, why you did this? I was, I was forced to do that. I had orders. I said, yes. I, I, he said, yes, I had no choice. I said, yeah, you can resign. You have a choice. I said, somebody else will come and do it. I said, yes, let somebody else. If you are really care about the people, you will not do it. You will resign if somebody asks you to stop the internet. Yeah. Now, in our days, it's important also, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm continuing just to let you z- uh, note that in our days, we have like with the cybersecurity taking more and more space on the negotiating, on uh, in, the, in the interest of the countries. Cybersecurity, we want to make sure that ci- cybersecurity complement internet freedom and they do not use cybersecurity to oppress internet freedom. Mm. And this is a very important thing because now s- countries will use cybersecurity for cybersecurity reason. We will uh, will uh, we will uh, like uh, take take away some of your rights in uh, uh, to access to the internet. So this is what we want to make very sure that this is this two things complement each other. And that's why I believe in the next few years we need to bring the two together on the same table and have the same multi-stakeholder approach to both. Maybe we'll have like each one uh, it has specialties, but they need to be discussed on the sa- in the same time and same place. Okay, and so with, with all the new technologies that are starting to come out into the mainstream, I mean, do, you, do you feel like blockchain and this, the mesh network is something that, I mean, like in Hong Kong right now, there's a lot of messaging apps that are decentralized that operate in a blockchain-like mesh network across devices. And so do you think something like, like that is or can be the catalyst for you know, something in Iran to, for the people to kind of rise up? Of course, this is, it, is not, it necessary? it's though? not to rise up. It's to 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 speak up. To speak to be up. to to, to the, I, I, we're not looking to get revolution. We're not people of revolution. We're people giving right to the people. You know, we like to give the rights to the people, and mm. this is what I believe. I believe definitely we need to have uh, like decentralization of the internet and all this, all the every single tool that is possible to use it to give it to the people in order to uh, to be connected and nobody to have access to stop the internet. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, what um, I, I, I don't know if this is a topic that you want to dive into, but what's going on in Lebanon right now? It's the loveliest thing you can ever ha- happen. Okay. In Lebanon, being Lebanese originally and having this lovely revolution driven by women, hmm. it's a woman, a woman and technology-driven revolution that really gave a, because of all the corruption, about all the brain drain of women having their sons leaving leaving the country, right. uh, uh, financial because of the financial problem, all these things. The people are women are fed up mainly. Then everybody is fed up, but but you know who who drove this? It's I believe. I believe what's happening in Lebanon today. It's uh, the Arab Spring version 2.0. Hmm. So in a way, it's not the Arab Spring. The Arab Spring had a lot of. Uh, 
different approach, uh, corruption, chaos, a lot of problems. I believe this one is much more peaceful, much more elegant, especially it's driven by women. And I don't think the world, I don't think governments know how to deal with mothers. Mothers Mm. will always win. Nobody can beat mothers. That's why they're getting the government unbalanced. They're getting Hezbollah unbalanced, getting everybody unbalanced. But what can you do? These are mothers are fed up. They want change. They want to stop the corruption. And this is lovely. This is the best thing. You know, we reached a point in Lebanon Revolution that it's no... One thing is no way back is the role of women in this part of the world. It's a new game. Mm. You know, now women are going to be more active in governments, more act- active in uh, public uh, uh, sector, in business, in politics, in everything. Women change. The role of women is completely changed. They're going to be in the, more in the, in the government. They're going to be much more represented in the government. They're going to have a much stronger say than ever before. Because what, what happened, happened. There is a game changer. What they did, it's a complete game changer. There is no return now. How much they will be successful in stopping corruption, and 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 maybe it cannot happen in one day, but something happened. Women took a much bigger space in the politics of this region, and this going to spill over Iraq, over Iran, over every single country because this movement is so successful, and it's it's so peaceful, and that what you want to have a soldier or secret service come and beat a woman. A mother, it's his, like his mother, or he's like his sister to the soldier, to the officer. It's not as activist-driven where you, on, you want to, hit, to beat one person and then you can collapse the whole movement. It's, it's just women coming down, cooking at home, bringing food down. It's, it's, it's such a lovely movement and very creative, using social media in its loveliest form. You know, uh, the best movies, the best, uh, the best uh, clips they're doing. So, uh, yeah. so everything, you, you just watch it 24 hours a day and you laugh because they are also very creative with all these jokes about the politicians. It's, it's something never heard of. It's people are, some people are saying, oh, it's too fancy. It's too, it's not, it's creative. It's a new form of revolution. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is something I am proud of because we ch- you have to change. We are tired of having a revolution, blood and blood and counter blood and, 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 and getting out of the revolution. We have we, uh, like a lot of time revolution lead to fundamentalism and all this and getting out something like this revolution is getting openness, rights for women, everything we believe in. It's so lovely. It's it's uh, it's. I believe I believe Lebanon today is giving a lesson to the world how a revolution should be, and it's giving to the woman of this world that woman can make the, can be the major driver for change. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, the there are, there have only been a few videos I've seen on on Twitter about the revolution. The one that stands out in my mind is there was a woman holding her baby amongst this crowd and. Uh, she said to the crowd that the baby's getting scared. And so the crowd started doing a, uh, the Baby Shark song, and it was literally hundreds of people doing Baby Shark. And, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's, I, it's very human. Everything right. is a human. Right. It's not, nobody wants to fight. These people are suffering. And, you know, 
revolution or protest should not be based on crying, being sad. You can do it with fun, you know. And what they're teaching the, these officials, that the officials are, uh, you know, most of, of the politicians of Lebanon are angry because they cannot join the protest. <laughs> I'm serious. A lot yes, of them, they yes. want to say, we, want to, we, we feel like you, we want to say, no, 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 you're out. Go, go stay uh, at reminds, your office. That reminds me of another <laughs> clip of a, um, one, of the, one of the Lebanese soldiers uh, just bawling, bawling his eyes out and, and the crowd just giving him hugs. And now, I mean, now that you bring it up, like all the videos that come to mind are, you know, are like that. And I guess... It's, it's lovely people. Yeah, it's amazing. lovely. It's uh, no, really. It's, it's showing. It's showing a n- new aspect. Yeah. We are not into hitting. You know what? What this guy is gonna hit with a, with with a stick? A woman, a mother. His his mother. His sister. You right, know. It's right. really, and they don't want anything. You know. They're willing to. They're bringing him food. You know, as a soldier, because the soldier is suffering like the people. It's not like a, we are not against a regime. Against uh, we. They don't want socialism or. Communism or, or capitalism or what is it not about this? It's about really they want to have a decent life, a decent country that respects the rule of law, that right. they, they stop corruption. It's something that nobody can fight. And mm. the women are saying, "This is our goal now. It's our turn. We gave, we we stayed, we, you know, we stayed away for a long time. Now it's our goal, and this is going to be a change. And I I am sure, and this is going, and this can connect." so much with Iran right because right. the women in Iran are feeling exactly the same mm. and this revolution you know they're sick of these people putting a veil on their face obliging them to wear a veil and those they don't want you know they have uh, the choice they're not giving them the choice and these women are really tired and I believe what's happening in Lebanon is going to connect with uh, with Iran and this is going to become a regional movement that's, that's amazing. If, and if it's not a global movement. Right. Anymore. And it also highlights the importance of internet freedom because that yeah. content from Lebanon needs to reach around. Definitely. And one thing, you know, you saw this woman who, who kicked the, uh, the, you know, the bodyguard of one of the big politicians in Lebanon. He wanted to open his, uh, he had a gun in his, in his hand. Mm-hmm. The woman came and kicked him so bad and it's all over the media how the woman stood up to her rights and kicked him. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really happy about yeah. this. Well, what's, what's interesting <laughs> is if you look at uh, the Arab Spring in Egypt, and in the wake of that, I mean, Egypt has now one of the mo- most thriving uh, venture capital and startup landscapes yeah. in all of Africa. Like, it's one of the most exciting markets. So it's like maybe, you know, South Africa, South Africa and Egypt. I mean, they're the big ones in Africa right now. And so, you know, I wonder if, if Lebanon in the wake of this, and, and same thing in Iran, if, you know, in the wake of these revolutions, if... The, the seeds of a thriving startup ecosystem in the, you know, in the Middle East and the GCC region is going to emerge out of that. Um, but Lebanon y- has been always, uh, Egypt has always been a very, uh, speci- uh, spe- very innovative, very strong in startups, a very good platform for industries to develop. Right. And as well as the Egyptians are very, very creative people. But also, most importantly, the revolution will unleash your potential. Right. And this is what right. happened in Egypt. And this is what's happening in Lebanon. It will happen because it's, uh, you, you can see this revolution. This is a very simple thing. You just go on social media, see how much, is unle- how much innovation is being unleashed only by small thing, only by signs that people are carrying. It's making you laugh. It's, it's, it's everybody is using it to excel. 
they want to excel in, in, in the evolution, they're gonna excel in business, they're gonna excel in innovation and creativity and social entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship. So I am, I am sure it's going to become a very, very big hub for this. And of course, it's all going to be, it's all currently revolving around the power of the internet and the power of social media. And I am sure anything that will happen in the near future in startups and in this term, it will all come through through the internet, the power of the internet. One, one, one other issue that we have uh, in in uh, Lebanon and uh, in Lebanon is that uh, the people of Lebanon now they are all be a couple of days here. Let's take it this way: a couple of days here at Peace Tech Lab. Mm -hmm. We had uh, we had a Lebanese diaspora wanted to convene. So Peace Tech Lab is a very good place to convene people because they use they use technology for peace and they want they had a, an event called they wanted to do open dialogue for a peaceful Lebanon a peaceful Lebanon so they did it here and they connected with people in Lebanon and they did one of the best sessions like activists from Lebanon act, uh, people here working with all aspect of the community in Washington there were like a few uh, like maybe 70 people came to Peace Tech Lab and they had this meeting with Lebanon virtual and uh, video conferencing and it was really it showed um, uh, people are saying their experiences they're talking from the field from from the demonstration telling the people in in uh, in DC the diaspora what needs to be done and the diaspora and it was an agreement which is what is nice nobody will lead this except the people on the on, uh, on, uh, on the ground on the ground grassroots nobody will lead this nobody right. has the right to do that except these people if the diaspora here it was so mature the diaspora here what they said we are here just to support what you want to do what you want you decide we do not guide you you guide we support we assist you tell us what you want we will do for you we we will make sure that you are protected we want to make sure that these protesters nobody will harm them and if they get harmed every diaspora around the world should make everything possible in order to stop any harm to the protester but as for leadership guidance nobody should interfere these people should do it on their own yeah no, too I much about so so do you ever do you think you'll ever be back in, in iran in iran or in lebanon in iran i hope so this is my dream my dream to go back to iran to a free iran i am not a political person or uh, who want to change the regimes or anything but i hope things will change in iran so i can go to iran be with the Iranians. The Iranian people are great people, are just lovely. And so, yeah. so are so well educated, so smart, so kind. You know, and they are occupied. They are they are as occupied as anybody uh, as as I was. You know, even and like the Iranians were oppressed, uh, oppressed people. And I think change is going to happen. They have no choice. Right. The world, the Iranian have no choice. They have so much potential, and they cannot they cannot do anything unless this change. Right. I mean, I can imagine Tehran could have a thriving startup ecosystem. I mean, in, in the early days of this podcast, just like, you know, researching different ecosystems, different people to interview, it seems like Tehran had a, a developing e-commerce, uh, you know, environment that the, the problem was what you mentioned before of brain drain, right? Because all the best talent, like, you know, they can get 
come to here get paid six seven figures in Silicon Valley they are really smart really good they yeah. know you know it's so funny because these people are so smart you it's unbelievable you know like you talk to somebody it's uh, like higher level like uh, so uh, and they are very uh, and they are being oppressed they're not giving them the opportunity they uh, I don't, we don't understand. You know, they develop a lot of very nice applications in countries they used in the, but this government want, they don't, he, they don't want them to interact with the rest of the world. They don't want them. They want to keep them in a box. They want to do an internet halal. It's, it's intranet of, for Iran. Mm. This is ridiculous, you know. So, and it's such a such a smart uh, community, they want to oppress them, and then they can they want to claim that this is because of the sanctions. What is because of sanctions? To open the internet, it's not because of the sanction. Open the internet, you know. So they just they play, you know. But what is the most ridiculous in Iran? Because we talk about internet. You see, like the supreme leader has a Twitter account, has has Facebook, but you are not as a citizen. You're not allowed to have. Hmm. Why? Because why? What he thinks that he is better than these people. He's like he's superhuman, and they are just a human. They cannot have. What is this? I never heard of it. At least they don't. They have, you know, officials, revolutionary guards. They have Twitter. They tweet. Zarif, for example, the foreign minister. He's always he tweets. He tweets more than uh, anyone else I know. <laughs> you know, he tweets all day long, and then the people cannot tweet. What is this? And he tweets for who? If you are a government official, you, sh- you should tweet for your people. If your people cannot see, why are you doing this? There is something that doesn't add up. That's why change is going to happen to Iran. They like it or not, change is going to happen because it's impossible to do that. There is a, the logic doesn't match. You know, things doesn't match. You cannot do yeah. that. Well, the, the world's just moving forward too fast. They can't afford to just stay still. It's not, is- not in today's global economy. That's that's definitely the case, and uh, it's moving too fast, and they cannot keep it uh, keep keep it up. And there is something about the third world, and the security agencies. If they cannot keep up with something, when it's you are in an oppress, oppressive regime, mm-hmm. and you cannot keep up with this with the speed, your only solution is to block it until they learn until they learn about it. Okay, but we cannot. It's your problem if you are a security service or you are a government and you're not catching up. It's your problem, not the not the citizen problem. Right. You block it until you can monitoring it. Like in the past, they used to have like even the fax machine. You know, in Syria, they couldn't use the fax machine. <laughs> Why? Because they didn't know how to monitoring monitor it. Mm, so they right. stopped. People cannot use fax machine for many many years until they, uh, they learned how to monitor this. So instead of uh, so this is how they work. This is. The yeah. systems they work on. Okay. Well, Nazar, I want to make sure we finish off on a positive note. So, can can you just walk us through uh, your you know your last day, like when you got released? Like, what was that that last day? Like the night before, you had no idea, right? It was like the night before you got released. You had no idea. We never knew. We never. I I, I was. I was with a very nice group of people in Iran. I have. I want just to. This is a very important point for me. I have Wang Zio Wang is is a Princeton student mm-hmm. who is still over there. He's still he's still in the prison. Yeah, and he's a personal brother to me, mm. and he's an American citizen. And we were together. And I promised him, I will not, I will not rest until he's out and we're together, or I'm partying. 
we, he, I had when I was there, I had detox for four years. He is also so so I I I really I really want him. So I didn't uh, I didn't know what's going on. We had uh, some people heard something on the news. Some families. He was talking to his families. He said we heard on the news agency that they are may they are seeing the possibility of giving you a reduced sentence or something. Right? Some, but we always hear that like every they do something that you learn how isis you know uh, isis when somebody they are executing someone you see him very calm mm. you know and everybody asks how come you know why because every day they do the same and they return him so he doesn't know that this day he's going to be dead and this is what happened to us in a certain way every day every few days it tells you we're gonna release you and then you get all your head and then boof you, the, you go back and then this is the game they play it they play to to demoralize you completely and they did they did that very successfully but so so we learned not to get excited or anything when we hit. so they took me the day before and we I, I was sure I'm gonna be back what they did they took me they came to me they apologized they say you're gonna forgive us or XYZ and uh, I said uh, I said uh, I I will uh, I don't have any anything against the Iranian people. They are great people. But the, all my uh, my inmates are are really great people. Everybody, so I don't have anything. So they they took me to the airport. On the way to the airport, they passed me through a, a carpet shop. Yeah, and then a mall for carpet. And they told me you have to buy a Persian, We want to buy for you a Persian carpet. I said, why? Well, I said, then we want to apologize from you for what we did to you. So I went, I say, okay. And they, they had like, uh, uh, they emptied the place. They had like few clients. They made them turn to the, uh, to the wall so they cannot see my face. And they tell me to, they, they had like a lot of cameras. Filming, and then I, I say, okay, okay, this one, the first carpet, I just wanted to finish with this. I said, okay, give me this carpet. They say, no, 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 you have to search and you have to move around and tell us what kind of carpet this is five percent silk this is uh, 20 this took five years to do uh, whatever so at the end i tell him okay this is culturally correct and this please let me I does he buy they bought it for me to, for me and they took me to the airport at the airport i was at the presidential uh, pavilion where i found uh, i and uh, i stay before i go and then suddenly uh, I, and they gave me a suit. They made me wear a suit. So uh, suddenly, I see them all getting on the phone, going crazy. I felt okay. I am going back to to prison. So then they put me on. Uh, uh, before they tell me, okay, you have to sign a document uh, that uh, I said no. I don't sign anything. I will not. I stayed four years. I refused to sign any uh, confessions that I did any crime. I did no crime. I have nothing. I have. I came to your country based on your invitation. So they said. Uh, they talked. They start talking. They said. Uh, so I said I will not do anything against the law in my country, and this is what all that I can commit to. They said okay. They didn't like it, but they said okay. They had uh, to uh, to move on. We go to the air, uh, to the plane um, by car, and we have the head of security of Lebanon at the plane. Uh, he was waiting for me. It was a private plane. We get uh, on it. We fly. I did not say a word. He wanted to say talk to me. I tell him no, no. I want to. We had the 
TV showing, uh, the TV showing where the plane is and the border. So I was looking at him. I will not say a word uh, until we uh, we leave the Iranian airspace. Cross the border. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. So the minute I I cross the Iranian airspace, then I start telling him every bad word. You all left me four years. Oh, man. He told me calm down this, and then I went to Lebanon. I was received directly by the president of Lebanon. It was a good. It was very good for me to show. Lebanon to show the world I am an innocent man I am well respected in my country I am not a criminal I am not a spy all this bad reputation or things that were so the president was uh, uh, received me uh, immediately and then I was received by the prime minister afterward it was everybody like it was a big thing in Lebanon all the TVs stopped all afternoon taking live uh, my arrival and all this it was a big it, it was a big thing at that time it was nice and i respect this you know it was it meant a lot to me to go out as a respectful person i am not a criminal i don't want to go back to my country back door or something and then the, and then the ambassador also the u.s ambassador because um was really nice to me as well and and then i flew back to washington and 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 the most importantly in Washington, I spent a lot of time. But the most important that now, after a few months, I know Vint Cerf. It's the father of the internet, and he introduced me to Peace Tech Lab. Mm. And at Peace Tech Lab, uh, I I met a, a great team who hired me, uh, recruited me to to assist with, uh, for this for the cause of using technology for peace. And currently, I am here. I'm very very happy. And I I have been I um, but what I have been doing, I have been uh, working a lot with to free the hostages all over in Syria, in Iran, anywhere. It doesn't matter where the hostage. A hostage needs to be released because this person hasn't done any crime or anything. The only reason he's hostage is because his nationality. So I was making sure I, 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 uh, I was uh, I assisted in the development of the fa alliance of families of hostages so and we went to the UN we were doing the UN General Assembly. We did a lot of work and currently we're doing a lot to make sure that what happened to me will never happen to anyone else. Yeah. I don't want nobody deserves so much pain, dest destruction of the families and all this. But it's very uh, currently uh, I am very happy with what happened. Uh, everybody has been extremely nice. You are being extremely nice. You're asking me only nice questions. You're not asking me any other <laughs> <laughs> questions. Well, I told you no, no gotcha questions here. No gotcha questions here. Because I mean, you know, we. Um, with all the bad things in this world, I think we're headed towards a much, um, much brighter era for humanity. So it's always darkest before the dawn. Definitely, definitely, we we we're going into better, better people, better humans. I agree. And, and we because because nobody can hide anymore with, mm. the tech, with the power of technology. Everything is exposed. People are going. They, they have to do good. Otherwise, they're going to be exposed. Yeah, well, Nazar Zaka, thank you so much for joining me in studio. Thank you so much. It's my honor to be here. Peace. Peace. <laughs>